Hello and welcome to the next episode of the podcast on negotiation. And today we have a great honor to host someone who knows a lot about negotiation and especially negotiation practice. It's Phil Brown, the founder of The Negotiation Club, another TNC. Phil, it's great to have you with us. It is absolutely brilliant to be here, Remy. Thank you so much. Uh, uh, let's talk a little bit about uh, your background and inspiration. As uh, How did it all start? Tell us a little bit more about um, uh, which discipline uh, you're coming from and how you got to, the, uh, to negotiate. Okay, I'll try and unpack that. Okay, so my, my background is procurement. So 25, almost 30 years working in procurement, different industries, different businesses, buying goods and services. Um, but in the last four or five years, I've also been developing this concept of negotiation practice and, and under the under the uh, under the TNC, but a different TNC, the negotiation club as such. Um, and there's lots of reasons why I've sort of come to this sort of, I guess, this this journey, so to speak. Um, uh, and, you know, maybe we can cover some of that as well. But, yeah, so yeah, that's my background. Procurement, not hostage negotiations, <laughs> not lawyers. Um, uh, but, yeah, procurement. So you're a practitioner, and uh, and I was wondering, um, uh, probably in your career, you've uh, you've been trained in the topic of negotiation, yes. And uh, uh, so looking back, looking back at what you've experienced back then in your job, uh, what were the m- largest, biggest challenges, the major challenges that you've experienced uh, in negotiation training? Um, I think when it comes to negotiation training, because, I mean, everybody does negotiate, but when it comes to the training of negotiators, I think the challenge is that traditional training is you go along and you spend a day or two days, you're being told by an expert, this is what negotiation involves. Uh, You might do a couple of role plays, and then after two or three days, you go away, and somehow you're meant to be good at negotiation. Um, Now, when I when I when I explain to people about practice, I often refer to um, the learning model, and I don't know whether you've heard of this learning model. This is one where it's like unconscious incompetence, conscious incompetence, conscious competence. Anyway, okay. Well, if you think about those four stages, when you go on a training course, you are being made aware of negotiations. You're being made aware of all of these elements, the tactics, the strategies, what you need to do to prepare, etc. So you're being made aware of it. So that's you're moving from unconscious incompetence to suddenly unconscious uh, incompetence. But then it stops. Then there's, there's kind of like nothing else afterwards. So what I explain to everybody is that you now need to practice what you have been told, what, what, what has been shared with you. And when you practice it, you'll suddenly find that that great tactic somebody said to you about, you know, uh, using silence. Okay. Well, guess what? You'll find where it works. You'll find where it doesn't work. You'll find how it it can develop for you. And the only way of understanding that is when you try it out and you practice it. Right. And of course, when it comes, again, when it comes to training, and if you're in a business and you're doing that, where do you go and practice that? Because generally speaking, you don't have like you know another room to go off and have a practice with. The only opportunity is to try in a real negotiation. And that's where people also fall down because people don't want to try something they haven't done before when the implications could be quite bad. So people go on these training courses. They may try and do a few little things differently, but, but without practice, the courses is only half the information or probably even less than that. Is this so the reason, the main reason? Is this sorry, sorry, Phil? Is this the main reason why you decided to um, 
to establish to found uh, the negotiation club? Um, well, partly. Um, but when I before I kind of decided to do the club, I know some of the reasons for it. Um, one of the things you also find with with training and traditional training is it can be very expensive, which means that not everybody gets a chance to do it. Um, it is often functional, so it's either procurement, maybe lawyers might do it, you know, the sales team might do it as well. But I'll tell you a story. I, many many years ago, I was I was in procurement. I went to a suppliers, and I was sat in the reception, and the receptionist gave me a coffee, sat me down, and then I overheard her taking a phone call. And it was a travel firm. So it was a travel firm. Now, this is a, a million, you know, this is a big company. And she was having this conversation with a supplier. And she was actually negotiating with the supplier. And I thought to myself, you know what? Here's the receptionist of a big company. And she's negotiating. And I bet you she's never had any training. Nobody will be able to sort of give her any support or, you know, or criticism for that matter as well. And yet she's going to have an impact on the bottom line of that business. And for me, it was like, well, you need to have some way of providing the skills to everybody in a, in a company and everybody, you know, to, to be able to improve those negotiation skills. So what kind of, what kind of sort of made me think about this was how can I drive down the costs to start with? Mm -hmm. How can I address this issue of just practicing on a regular basis and In a way, that kind of like helped me formulate part of the negotiation club. You know, the idea of, you know, it being open to anybody. It doesn't matter what skill level you are. You come along and you practice. Right. And then when you practice, you're going to get better. You, you will improve. There's no doubt about it. That sounds super exciting. And I think uh, many of our listeners and viewers uh, are probably thinking right now, so how does this look like? Yes. How, how does the uh, TNC practice session, uh, is, how is it structured? Uh, what can we expect from it? Well, first of all, you can expect a lot of fun, all right? Now, that's not something you associate with negotiations, all right? Negotiations are often, oh, you know, I'm, I'm, I've got a lot of worry about this. I'm fearful of it and everything else. But actually, when you practice negotiations and you do it at a club, it can be actually a lot of fun. So that's the first thing you can expect to enjoy yourself, which is kind of scary in its own right. But when, you're at the, when you come to a negotiation club, and there are other clubs out there, the key is you've got to be doing something. All right. So there's no point in just being sat there twiddling your thumbs. There's always right. something you need to be doing. So when we run the clubs and, and we run it through Zoom, okay, so it's always through Zoom. And part of the reason for that is that even if you're not negotiating, you can observe a negotiation and you'll be amazed at what you can learn by watching people negotiate. Because the first thing, of course, is that you see the, the different styles out there. And that is fascinating. So the way that we kind of run the club is um, it's on the Zoom, lasts about an hour, an hour and a half. You have the first session, which might be a couple of prepared negotiations. So you watch people negotiating, prep, you know, you see it in advance. And when I say prepared, I mean only with the negotiation cards. So it's always with cards. It's not big case studies, okay? Um, and then afterwards, um, uh, everybody gets a chance to also negotiate as well. It's very similar. Have you ever have you ever heard of Toastmasters? Oh, yes, absolutely. Yeah. But let's let's say a few words about what it is and how it works also so that uh, our listeners and viewers oh. who haven't uh, get a better idea. Okay. So the way it works is that um, 
We have a, a negotiation practice. Each practice lasts only for about four minutes. Okay. And what we'd say is, right, Remy, you are going to be a salesperson. Philip, you are going to be a buyer of some sorts. We're then going to give you some information. And then you're going to have four minutes to negotiate. Okay. And it's as simple as that. Now, we use a negotiation card, which means that basically it could be as simple as, you know, I don't know whether people can see this, but we have a, a you know, a break-even point for seller, all right? And then you have a budget for a buyer. Now, that's literally all the information you need to start a negotiation. Right. All right? You've, you've now created the potential zone of possible agreement, all right? But I don't know what you've got. You don't know what I've got. And we always negotiate over pretty much the same topic, which is buying and selling large quantities of apples. You know, So it's the price per ton of apples. Um, and the numbers are there as well. So in essence, what happens then is you have four minutes. Now, what we also do is we have another um, card, which is a tactic of some sort. So when you get your break even, you will also get a tactic. And that might be something like you know summarizing or use open questions, yeah? Um, likewise, I'll get one as well. Now, the idea is in the four minutes, your objective is to try and use that tactic, all right? So again, going back to that sort of learning journey, we tell you how important open questions are, but I don't know whether people realize that there are some places in negotiation you do not want to ask a question. It's absolutely the wrong thing to do. Okay, because everybody says, oh, yeah, open questions, fantastic. <laughs> they are, but there's a wrong place to do it as well. And there's different ways of asking questions. So in the four minutes, it's not necessarily about who gets the best deal. It's about how do you practice that particular skill? Right. And then everybody else is watching and they're saying, right, okay, I can see Remy. He's using open questions. Yeah, he's done it really well there. But, you know, he, he did this way. Right, okay. Uh, Phil, yeah, he was using summarizing. And he didn't really state the fact that he was summarizing. So you end up with the audience all participating and also being able to give feedback on how things can work. And what's fascinating is that we, we had 90 minutes of practice, okay? But the negotiations at the beginning of the, uh, the club meeting are different to the negotiations at the end of 90 minutes. And the reason for that is that the audience are trying things different from what they've seen from the previous one. So right. it, it's just it's just continuous learning, you know, learning by doing, learning by observing, learning by getting feedback. You mm -hmm. know? And it's all going four minutes. They're all four minute little negotiations. Four minutes. Wow, four minutes. that's amazing. Uh, so Phil, I think you mentioned uh, you mentioned your cards, uh, which you uh, invented as well, right? Uh, this is your intellectual property. Tell us a little bit more about um, about about the cards, about the uh, the types, variety, um, how you um, how you use them, and uh, um, and uh, share a little bit, uh, you know, the, the, the experience that the participants can expect uh, uh, when they decide to, uh, to purchase your cards. All right. Okay. So, um, again, I'm going to take it back to the challenge I have. All right. So, if you, if you consider Toastmasters again, okay. So, if you go to Toastmasters or any other public speaking, um, you will have a, uh, a meeting and it, they might just say, right, Remy, we'd like you to stand up and give a speech for four minutes on broadcasting over the internet. Wow. Now you can stand up. Now you can give a presentation. You've got to think on your feet. You know, there's different techni techniques, tactics you can do, okay? 
how do you do that with negotiations? Because traditionally, negotiations and when people are practicing, it's often lots of information. You know, here's some information for you. Here's some confidential information for you. Here's some information you both know. You've got to go away and read it. You've then got to try and work out what's going to happen. Then you're going to have the negotiation. I, you can't do that in a club. It would just be crazy. All right. So what I so I was thinking, how do I write thousands of case studies, or is there a different way? And what I realized was that a negotiation is when two parties have a difference of position. So we don't have to put a lot of information around it. We can actually distill it down, distill it down, distill it down. And what I actually did then is I I effectively said, well, look, you know, in all most commercial negotiations, you have price you need to agree you need to agree when it's going to be delivered you need to agree the volume you need to agree all the payment terms i thought well you know why don't we just have literally those listed and if mm. we put them on cards then we've got lots of different variables and you can just shuffle the cards and i won't know what you've got and you won't know what i've got so i created i mean i created a whole load of these cards so these ones with the multi-variables on it all right so i then went and tested them and they worked great, but they confused the hell out of people. I mean, too much information. So I, I say to them, look, Remy, all I want you to do is look at the budget. And they'd look at the card. And Remy, you'd look at the card. It's like, oh, what are all these other things? All right? So really confusing. So that's why I ended up going down to literally a single variable as well. Now, what that means is that I can say to you, just like in Toastmasters, I can say, Remy, right, here you are. You're a buyer. Here's your information. Phil, you're a seller. Here's your information. You are negotiating the price per ton of apples. Have four minutes. See if you can agree a satisfactory outcome. Wow. <laughs> now you can literally do it. And the cards right. allow you to do that. Now, there's, I, I got loads of different types of cards. You know, one variable, two variables, three variables, six variables, tactics, I've got them going from like, you know, one dollar fifty, you know, a thousand pound, you know, or a million euros. Okay. Now, one of the things you have to recognize when you practice is that we are not trying to test your knowledge. Okay. We're trying to get you to understand how this affects you. So if you're negotiating over one or two pounds, you know, or three or four dollars. Well, it doesn't really have any impact on you emotionally. You know, it's it's that's not a huge amount of money. If you're going to negotiate over one point five million or six million dollars, it's just big numbers. It doesn't mean anything to you. But if I start to ask you to negotiate over six hundred dollars or seven hundred pound, you know, or eight hundred euros, now that is a ballpark where it you know what that means to you on a personal level. And I have seen people fight tooth and nail for the extra couple of dollars, all right? But if you use a million-dollar uh, card, I have seen people give away 20000 just like that, all right? So the idea here is that you have a resource which you can repeatedly use time and time again. You don't have to keep asking, uh, adding any more information, and the real trick is, is once you start to practice like that, after a period of time, you can start focusing on what you're doing in the negotiation. It, it, it becomes less about, oh, what did you have? What did I have? Oh, I got the best deal. It becomes less about that. And it becomes more about, right, okay, what can I do differently in those four minutes to improve my outcome?
And that's what this is about. This, this is about, this, this isn't me trying to teach you, this isn't me trying to teach you how to negotiate. It's me trying to teach you how to teach yourself through practice to negotiate. And the cards that's a very are... smart concept, yeah. That's a, a, a super smart concept. Uh, so uh, <clears throat> tell us a little bit more. You, you started, uh, you've mentioned a couple of anecdotes already from your practice sessions. Uh, is there, are there any situations that come to your mind which are particularly, I don't know, funny, uh, scary, uh, which uh, kind of were surprising for you as, uh, as you have observed uh, uh, those hundreds, if not thousands, uh, of uh, short negotiations between uh, various members of, uh, of TNC? I'm smiling here because I'm going to tell you about the first videoed negotiation practice I ever had. I was 12 years old. <laughs> all right? I was 12 years old because I, I, I'm very fortunate. My father used to teach negotiation skills. All right? He set up a company in the late 70s, early 80s. One of his courses, because he was in procurement, one of his courses was on negotiations. And some people know this, but when I was about 10 years of age, he was so busy that I had to go in and do the video camera work. Right? So you'd have like 40 people on a course and I'd be in a room next to him and he'd send two people in, they'd negotiate, I'd video it, give them the VHF tape, they'd go back and they'd play it and they'd break it down. All right? So that's my introduction. A couple of years after doing that, I said, oh, can, can we do a negotiation? So I actually sat there, video on the side, you know, coming through, and then there's my dad and one on the other side, me on here, we had a negotiation. Now, when I was negotiating with him, I, I, was, I was like this. I was head down, and I was like, oh, you know, I, I can't agree to that. Um, yeah, what if he did that? And I, and I had my head down the whole time. When we looked at the video afterwards, my dad was like this. He was putting faces at me because the point was is I had my head down the whole time. And he said, you know, if you are negotiating, you've got to be looking at the other person. You've got to see what's happening. So at the age of 12, through a video negotiation, I learned one of the first lessons I ever learned, which is when you are negotiating, look at the other party. Keep your eyes up. You've got to be watching and you've got to be listening. Because if you don't, people are going to play games with you. So that was my very, very first one. Now, since then, I mean, that was back in the early 1980s. Literally every negotiation training has been the same. Video camera at the side, two people negotiating. When the pandemic came along, we started to do uh, Zoom. We went online. We're doing it exactly now. Now, people are watching us, all right? So they can see our mannerisms. They can see how we respond. They can understand our language, etc. Once we started to do this in practice, I was gobsmacked at how many different types of negotiations people conduct, how they behave, and certain things that people do as well. And, I, and I'll give you an example. And this, this, this is fundamental to every single negotiation. I mentioned ZOPA already. So that's a zone of possible agreement, okay? Now, what I've come to recognize is that negotiations are made up of moments, micro moments, okay? And that's what they are. You can do all the preparation in the world, but when you're in that negotiation, it's then made up of micro moments. One of those micro moments is when somebody makes a proposal. Now, in terms of a proposal, people are thinking, oh, right, okay, this is my walkaway point. This is where I want to sort of um, start off. This is where I'm going to move. This is where I'm going to move. So they plan this out beforehand, okay? When you make a proposal, it is not just you making a proposal. That is a significant micro moment because what you're doing is you're putting a position down and you want to see 
how the other person reacts. And the reason for that is if you have that zone of agreement, for example, if you make a proposal and it's outside what they can agree, that person will reject your proposal, but they will often reject it different to if they could accept it and they reject it. And it's the words they use, it's the way they pronounce them, it's a follow-up, it's like when you use a question. Like I said, that is a moment you absolutely do not want to ask a question. Mm -hmm. Okay? Because what you'll find is if you make a proposal and it's not acceptable, very easy to reject is what people often do straight away. If they can accept it, sometimes you hear them saying, oh, does that include delivery? Wow, that's not a rejection. And the first thing they're doing is asking a question. So you make a proposal and you get an immediate question coming back. You can say to yourself, hmm, I'm pretty sure they can accept that, that position. And what I, what you know, we often talk about, you know, the way people behave when you make proposals, but it wasn't until I started to watch these types of negotiations, these little negotiations, and you get to watch hundreds of these proposals being made when you know what they've got. That's when the learning just goes up a complete level. That sounds it, exciting. That's, it, that makes an unreal. appetite, and not only, not only among, uh, among the two of us, but also, um, Uh, among our listeners and viewers. So um, one of our listeners and users uh, is asking where it, uh, he or she can buy the cards. Phil. Well, you, you can buy the cards from the website. Okay. So that's the negotiationclubs.com. So it's not negotiation club, negotiationclubs.com. And if you go to the store there or the shop there, you'll see at the bottom, there's the, the cards. So you can join as a member, free member, if you wanted to as a club. Um, uh, but at the bottom is the card. Now, the cards that we are, I sell, they're, they're practice decks, okay? So they're practice decks. And that means you have, you have, in essence, single variables. You have single variables, but you have tactics to practice. And there's a little barcode at the top as well that takes you to a, a page, a secret page, where it explains the different tactics. And you also have, obviously, the multivariable ones as well. So you can buy them from the, from the, sh from the shop. Um, and if you go to the, the Negotiation Club uh, YouTube channel, I, I, I've got to start this up again, but there's quite a lot of videos on there where you can see me using the cards and see people using the cards as well. Really, really simple. Yeah, get yourself a deck. They're in euros, they're in pounds, they're in dollars. So, yeah. All right. So, um, guys, uh, now if you're... If you're interested in, um, in uh, practicing negotiation, there are two recommendations from Phil. Number one, get your cards. And number two, join the club. Um, and number three, do both. <laughs> so um, moving on with our, uh, moving on with, our um, uh, with the topic of our today's conversation, the power of, uh, of practice, uh, we've talked about a structure of an individual session. And, but probably, uh, probably uh, many of our listeners and viewers are thinking, okay, so I go to one, and what's next? And so how does uh, how does the continuous learning process look like within the club? So if I become a member, uh, what can I expect? How can how can my uh, how can my uh, development path in terms of my negotiation mastery would look like with you? Well, there's, there's, a, there's a couple of things that we have developed and we are developing. And that's one of the important things is to be able to recognize as you're improving. 
So within the club itself, you go along, you conduct your negotiations, and there are other club members who can evaluate you and they can say, well, you're really good at this. You know, you've got to a level one, then perhaps you get to level two, then perhaps you get to level three. So there is there is a program of being able to improve. And also what you'll have in the days, you'll be able to get some certificates and awards for that. Because actually, you know, when you go for a job interview and somebody says, oh, you're a member of the negotiation club and you're at level two, well, tell me what that's about. What a door opener. Now you can tell them all about how you practice, how it's important for businesses, how it's improved your life, all these other things. So great, great door. So what we're doing is we're making sure and we are developing these ways of recognizing your improvement. But you've also got to remember that it's not just turning up at the club. So the idea is with the cards is that you should be able to practice in your own time with friends, with family, with colleagues. Right. Or if you read a book, you know, there's plenty of books out there. I mean, Chris Voss has got a book out there, which everybody kind of knows. And I always think, you know, there's a yeah, you've got it. I've got it. Um, but there's one on there. There's a tactic he used in there, which is called mirror words. All right. I, sounds brilliant. You know, reads brilliant. This is what you got to do. OK, well, I've read it. OK, what do I do now? Right. You know what? I can get the cards out now. I can go to my colleague and I can say, right, let's just have a little negotiation. And you, you use the cards, and then you you try to use what you've read out of that book. And you'll find, oh, that didn't work. Oh, that worked really well. So what, you're, what you've now got is you've now got the opportunity to say, look, I want to go on negotiation courses. I want to read the books. But once I've read the book and once I've been on the courses, I've now got my deck of cards. I can go and practice what I've been told. And then once I've been practicing what I've been told, I can go to the club. And I can showcase what I've learned. And people can say, you know what, Remy, that mirror words, you've really nailed that one. You know, so the idea is it's not just the club. It's about practicing. And I I was reading, um, uh, again, coming back to the the public speaking, because this really influenced me. I I spent four years at a public speaking club. Okay, that's how important, how impactful it was. But almost in the first uh, paragraph of the introduction to their guide, they, they say, it's going to take you could it take you two or three years of practice to become really competent. And that's the same with negotiation. You have to practice. There is no blue pill for suddenly becoming great at negotiation by reading or watching. You have to practice, and it takes time to practice. That's Not absolutely everybody. correct. No. Yeah. Sorry, I interrupted you. Uh, no, no, no. I was just saying, you know, there's, that, that's what the key thing is here. You know, negotiation clubs and negotiation practices isn't for everybody um i do a lot of work with students i do a lot of work with graduates um and i do a lot of work with young professionals and what's interesting is they're eager to learn they are understanding it i mean i had 30 i've had 30 years in procurement all right guess what it's only the last five years that i've really learned how to negotiate which is scary all right, because I, I personally I've been involved in really high value contracts, negotiations, big industry changing uh, situations, but I never got a chance to practice. Never got a chance to practice. If I, if if you and I, your competition, my cards, my clubs, we can change that. If we can make the younger generation more proficient, more confident, more aware through just some simple practices, some competitions to check themselves, test themselves. Remy, for me, that that is the the goal. 
<laughs> That's great to hear, Phil. Um, it's exactly if, um, it's exactly what I wanted to uh, to tackle right now because we we've talked about the structure of isolate of, of a single session. We talked about development, uh, right? But also um, um, some of our listeners and viewers might know that uh, we run initiatives which abbreviate to exactly the same uh, the same three letters, which uh, seems to be TNC. So it's the negotiation club for Phil and the negotiation challenge uh, uh, for us and. Uh, <clears throat> Maybe it's the right time to uh, to mention it that we've decided to uh, to join forces and uh, and uh, and tie um, our, our 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 products our initiatives together and uh, uh, because we believe that uh, first of all we have a very complementary uh, very complementary product which means you know a practice that leads to an ultimate uh, ultimate test ultimate test of mastery which is uh, which is a competition where i get to choose to, to we then get uh, systematic feedback uh, um, not only from the observers but also based on the results that i uh, that i achieve and we are planning a lot of uh, a lot of common uh, joint initiatives together uh, with phil so guys uh, stick around uh, uh, remember to uh, Google for TNC for the negotiation club and the negotiation challenge, uh, especially those of you guys who are currently in your jobs. We are uh, running a negotiation competition for professionals this fall in, uh, in October. Um, and uh, the best way to prepare for those uh, competitions is to use Phil's uh, infrastructure, use Phil's cars uh, and uh, the negotiation club as as a on the path to mastery and its ultimate test during the competition. I mean, what, what I love about your TNC, because I got my TNC, but your TNC as well, is, you know, you've been doing these competitions, what, 15 years now? Yeah. yeah 15 years. Okay. Yeah. A decade and a half. Right. And you've got people from all over the world. They all come along. They practice. Basically, as you kind of say, it's the world champions of negotiation. All right. It's negotiation world championship. Well, just think about that. All right. You know, how many people get to the world champions of anything or the Olympics and they've not practiced? They're not trained. All right. It's, I, I always, I, I told you this, the analogy with tennis players. So, for example, if you want to learn how to play tennis, okay, you can go down and you just play match, you know, game after game after game after game. If you want to get really good at tennis, you go down to the courts, but you just get a bucket of balls and you just, Practice your serve. You practice your serve. You practice, and then you back on. You back on. Then you maybe you go up to the net. Try that. Try that. And when you've been practicing enough, when you then go to play in a game of tennis, you might be called upon to do any one of those types of movements. But because you've practiced it, you're going to be in a much better proficient level. And the negotiation competition is 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 similar. If you are going into that negotiation competition, but all you've ever done is practice with big case studies. And what you're not doing is practicing those micro moments. Exactly. Now, this is where I think you and I really, it's the yin and the yang. Okay. All right. The yin is you practice. You take snippets of that negotiation. You break it down. You, you understand when you're in the negotiation exactly what you're going to do. And then the competition brings it all together. Now, you might not use every one of those tactics or any one of those skills, but if you practice them, when you are needing to use it at that time, it's going to be natural. It's going to work. And you know what? The outcome will result from that. Okay? Mm -hmm. So that's why, I, that's why I'm so excited to be working with you. 
<laughs> Absolutely. Likewise, uh, likewise, Phil. We have a question from Joanna, who uh, participated in TNC as a student, uh, who's now uh, writing her uh, dissertation on negotiation and who was uh, judged also in uh, um, um, a few of our competitions uh, before. So um, let me read it out. Uh, read it out. Uh, could we use cards with children? Which age would be good to, a good start, Phil? I, I am I'm sorry, I'm, I'm almost cringing and laughing here, and I'll tell you why. The cards are brilliant with children, but be careful, all right? Be really <laughs> careful. And I tell you, my, my co a colleague of mine, okay, he's got a seven-year-old son, he's eight now, all right? And he, he got the cards, he said, great, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to try them, you know, with, uh, with Adam. So he's been, his, his son, seven years of age, started to use the cards and actually started to use and practice it with his friends as well. The bad news, though, is that his mother hates me. Right? <laughs> yeah. Now he negotiates for everything. Well, if you want me to put the trash out, then, you know, I will like to, you know. And it's like literally he's using the techniques. So, I, I, yeah, Joanna, you can absolutely use the cards with, with children. Um, and I've done this at, at colleges with, you know, 14, 15, 16-year-olds. The oldest person I've had using the cards was a 92-year-old. All right, it came along and he loved it. All right, and he was negotiating with a 17 year old, I think, at the time as well, again through Zoom. Absolutely brilliant. The cards are simple, but they are super effective. So, Joanna, if you, if you, if, I mean, if you're practicing to be a judge, for example, you know, if you get two people, you get them to do the cards, you can see what's on their cards, you can actually start to see how they're negotiating and you'll start to understand, you know, how certain skills will prevail in a negotiation, you know, and how they can work for you. So, yeah, I love the question, although I'd say just just be careful, all right? Just be careful. You might you might end up with more than you desired. <laughs> Thank you, Phil, for your answer. Um, Joanna has two kids, so um, <clears throat> uh, she's going to be the assessor, the evaluator, the judge, and the cards. Could, I already see uh, you guys uh, sitting in the living room and uh, scheduling your own TNCs. Uh, <laughs> It reminds me, it reminds me, uh, you, know, you know Kwame, Kwame Christian? Yes. Yeah, so Kwame Christian. So many years ago, Kwame and I got together, and this is in the early days of the TNC. And um, I remember he got the deck, he got the training deck, all right? So the training deck is not a single one. It's, it's, um, it's something like this. This is one I use all the time. So it's got different cards, that, you know, set different levels. He got one of these. And he, he was like, I think it was November, um probably november about three or four years ago and he was so excited because he was taking them home to use them at home as well and he was like this is brilliant why why can't we have this as a christmas game you know this is a game um uh, and, he, and he and he used it with his students as well phenomenally successful and that's one of the beauties of this you don't you don't even have to be a professional trainer you just get the cards out you know it might not work exactly. straight away but the more you do it the, the better it gets exactly I, so speaking of Yep. Uh, please go ahead. No, go, are... go, go. no I was I only was... going to say that uh, the idea I've also got is a Christmas deck where uh, there's a Christmas special. You get different cards, but you're negotiating for the ton of carrots for Father <laughs> Christmas and the, and the reindeer. So, yeah, there's a few of the little quirky things you can do. That would be good for, for, long, for long winter nights. Yeah, yeah. I was I was going to ask you, uh, Phil, about uh, you mentioned a couple of success stories. Yes, uh, of uh, the negotiation clubs uh, and and the cards. I know that uh, 
you're active internationally, that there are clubs uh, all around uh, all around the world and they are growing and uh, new ones uh, are being established as we speak. Yeah? So why don't you tell us a little bit about, uh, about the success stories uh, that somehow motivate uh, us and listeners and our viewers uh, uh, to uh, have a closer look at it? Yeah, there's, um, uh, there's a few things. And, and again, it's often the simplest things, okay? So um, in the very early days, I, as a gentleman come along, um, he owned his own business, small business, okay? And it was uh, basically flooring uh, that he put into homes, etc. And um, he came along, We he came to a club, probably a good year, I think it was. And um, he said to me afterwards, he says, oh, I had a negotiation, the other day, I'm going, it's a couple of years back. Yeah, I ended up in negotiation. This client, this client wanted me to to reduce my um, reduce my my quote for him, and I said no. And you think, okay, you said no. He said, yeah, but I wouldn't have said that before. I would have given him something off. He says, you saved me thousands of pounds. You know, if, if I had done what I had done beforehand, I would have knocked something off it. And then I would have been juggling to try and make sure that I made a profit on it because I would have come down. He said, but I said no. And they agreed. He said, I would not have had the confidence to have done that before. And that was just purely learning to say no, which is, it sounds easy, but it's right. not always that easy. Um, I had another gentleman, um, uh, um, He's a fundraiser for charities. And um, he'd go into corporates and he'd say, this is what it is. And they'd have projects and everything else. And um, he'd always have round numbers, right? So he'd use round numbers. Now, he started to use and practice using odd numbers. And literally, every time I speak to him, he says, oh, it works again. So what's it work to it? He says, oh, I use an odd number. Uh, do you know what? I get almost zero pushback now when I use an odd number. He says, if I put a round number, if I put 5,000, they want to come in at 3,000. But if mm. I put like 5,286, no fee, I, I get no pushback. And I've got a little bit more. Right. And again, it, it's the simplest of things. Just change tiny little things. Now, the, the reality is you're never going to know whether you've maximized your value. But once you start to do some of the little things and you build up your comfort and your confidence in doing them, then what's happening is you are going to get a benefit. You'll never know exactly what the benefit is, but you will get a benefit. Um, I had a, a final one, all right? Um, a friend of mine, he's a lorry driver, okay? And um, uh, again, a couple of years ago, um, he negotiated his own hourly rate. So I think it was like £14 an hour. I can't remember exactly, but you say it was £14 an hour. And everybody else is on £13 an hour. Okay, so hourly rate. Then everybody else got put up to £14 an hour. All right, so suddenly he's on the same rate as everybody else. Now, there was two of them that had a higher rate. And his friend went to the management and said, hey, and you put everybody up by a pound, you know. Um, yeah, I'd like mine to be a pound up as well. I should be on 15 now, not 14 like everybody else. And they said no. So he he, he came out the door, tail, you know, tail between his legs. Well, I didn't get that. And then my other friend, he said, right, he went in and he says, hey, he says, you know, everybody's gone up a pound. I, I you know, I should be on a pound more. Ah, no, we can't do that. He said, oh, okay. 
Well, listen, I'm, I can't accept that, but I can understand where you're coming from as well. Listen, I will accept £14.78. He's in 78 pence, not a full pound, 78 pence. And he said, the manager, he said, the manager, he just, he just sat there for a minute thinking, yeah, okay. And he agreed it. And, he, and, and again, you know, he said, look, and then he came out and he told his mate who got no increase what he'd done. And his mate was like, I don't, you know, that's just nuts. He said, and again, it's just the simple things, you know, it's simple not things. always. Yeah. It's not always the big negotiation. It's not always those huge things. It's just getting the little things right. And you know what? It's often, it, it's it's doing these things that actually help you in your own personal lives as well. You know, oh, you yeah. can make, um, I don't know how much time we've got, but um, I, I'll give you one more story, okay? Very, very quickly. Uh, in procurement, uh, corporate social responsibility, hugely important, okay? Well, I say hugely important, depends who you're speaking to, okay? So, importance of getting companies to do better for the environment. Um, I was working for an energy company probably about 15 years ago. Um, we had these energy monitors that you now get quite common. They're in the home, tells you how much energy you're using, put the kettle on, spikes up, okay? These were just coming out. So, I wanted to see if I could help my suppliers reduce their energy costs. And if I can help them reduce their energy costs, in theory, I can get some of that back from me as well. However, I did it with one company. Nothing really happened. I gave them a monitor, put it in their, uh, in their, in their sort of factory. They tried to tell everybody to improve their behaviors. Nothing really happened. I went into another place and I gave all of their employees these energy monitors. They took them home. They had them on the kitchen sink. Every time they switched the light on, every time they put the kettle on, they'd spike the spike. What we noticed was is that when they came back into the office, they started switching the lights off, reducing the air conditioning. They started to actually make an impact. Now, for me, that's a bit like what we should be doing in businesses with negotiation skills, teaching the skills not purely from a central business perspective, but how these are going to help you personally. So if you teach your employees how to negotiate and they can do this in their own life, whether they're selling a house, buying a car, negotiating with the kids, then you will suddenly find that their behaviors and their abilities change within the business as well. Right. And I think it's usually important to not just think of this as this is for us here and it's like, you know, tick the box and the training. You can change people's behaviors and have an impact in their own homes. That's going to make a difference. Thank you, Phil. Uh, we are on the same page with that, uh, and uh, we're getting parallel, uh, getting a lot of comments uh, with uh, a positive reinforcement. Right, uh, people are enjoying our session. Um, and Musa, thank you for your comment. Uh, uh, my last question for today is about greatness. As always, in every episode of our podcast, um, I always ask my uh, my my guests about um, their inspiration. Uh, be it contemporary, be it historical, uh, great negotiators. Phil, what's your pick? I, uh, there's one for me, and um, I, I got to say, it, it's my dad. It is my dad. I just get absolute inspiration, particularly in the negotiation side. And, and, and I'll tell you one of the other things with him is that when I started to do these negotiation clubs, um, what I realized is people don't know how to practice. So I, I created a a module of sessions to teach people how to practice. He came on one of these, all right? And he explained, he said at the very beginning, because he was giving some feedback, he says, look, there are two parts 
to negotiations, to effective negotiation. First part is job knowledge. The second part is personal skill. And when you think about that, the job knowledge bit is all of the, the information you take into the negotiation. It's your research, your client relationships. It's everything you take into negotiation. It's what basically a lot of trainers will tell. Preparation, preparation, preparation. What people don't often focus on, though, is the personal skill. So you have to practice. And this is what the negotiation club is all about. It's about practicing the personal skill. I'm not trying to make you a better lawyer. I'm not trying to make you a better husband. That comes from also improving your personal skills. And when you break it down, it's things like active listening, questioning, observation. So when you go to a negotiation club, what you are doing is you're practicing the skills of negotiation. All right. So don't think you're going to come along and suddenly be get better at category management, you know, buying containers or buying holiday. You know, that comes from both parts of it. And I think going back to maybe what some of your other uh, listeners is, this is why when it comes to the negotiation clubs and it comes to the negotiation cards, it's entirely universal. It doesn't matter whether you're a mother, whether you're a managing director, it doesn't matter whether you're uh, a huge multinational or a one-man band. Those skills are exactly the same. That's, That's where we a- can really uh, we also we also completely agree on that. Uh, this is also the mantra I, I keep uh, repeating during my uh, my courses classes uh, from uh, younger students, bachelor students up to the uh, senior executives. Um, <clears throat> and it pays off. It pays off to practice. It pays off to uh, uh, to um, learn. It pays off to set on the journey on developing of uh, developing our negotiation skills, both in terms of uh, the quality of our relationships, but also in terms of the depth of our pockets yeah so oh, phil yeah. thank you <laughs> thank you so much for your time it's been great having you uh guys have a lookout on tnc squared uh, tnc times two uh we're planning uh, we're planning a couple of uh joint sessions uh, um and for now um have a look at phil's cards have a look at the negotiation club uh practice hard because our competitions are coming so the one for professionals is coming in the fall uh, registration is open. Uh, go to www.thenegotiationchallenge.org uh, and you'll find uh, two versions of our competition, one for students, one for professionals. You're welcome to choose the one which suits you most. And uh, on your way there, make sure you practice. Thank you so much for listening. Thank you, Phil, for, having, uh, uh, for, for being with us. And until the next time on the podcast on negotiation. Brilliant.